Hi everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is The Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So grab some snacks, pull up a chair, and join us at the table with your monocle and bowler hat. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, the Dapper Meeple outfit, not required. Hey, we are back for the new year. Still sexy and ready to chew bubblegum and make podcasts. And well, we're all out of bubblegum. We talk about our plan for 2024 and delve into some game news that happened while we were gone. And now that it's finally here, we're going to give you our thoughts on the Marvel Zombies Devourer Pledge. And well, if Galactus was worth the devastation to our wallets. We'll also taunt Hasbro some more and look at the growth of GameFound. And of course, our crowdfunding roundup. All that's coming up on this episode of The Dapper Meeple. Hey guys, just like that 1993 blockbuster with the dinosaurs, we're back. It's good to be here in 2024. Uh, I'm excited to uh, get back into this, talk about some really interesting news that we had happen while we were out. I hope everyone had a great holidays, good new year. Right. Um, We would say the new year knew us thing, but I think we kind of, we missed that boat this year. (laughs) Here's the deal. Uh... (laughs) We know we do this. We've done this the last couple of years. It's a bit now. We tell you we're going to change things, and we just don't because uh, we're A, comfortable, and B, lazy. So we keep doing what we do. Um, and we've been really working on kind of fine-tuning our product, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we're going to make some changes this year um, just to kind of work on our sanity, uh, trying to produce a podcast on a regular schedule, and uh, try to make a better product. Yeah, so we appreciate everyone who has joined us on this journey. Uh, we were looking at our statistics for our podcast before we uh, were starting to record this episode. We've had over 1,700 downloads, which is wild to me. I never would have thought that, you know, us doing this as a one day part time kind of thing that we would ever get even that many. Uh, we of course hope to see that number continue to grow as we continue to do this. But honestly, if we only had a hundred downloads, we'd probably still be doing it. Right. This uh, is entertaining for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, you're listening right now to our 44th episode, which means that 50 is right around the corner. It's another milestone that I, I'd never imagined we would get anywhere close to. Um, so yeah, exciting times, right? Uh, we've talked to a couple of people just in the industry and some of the things we're working on for this year. Um, trying to work more on partnerships, trying to find more people out there doing the same kind of stuff we are. Uh, maybe go visit their show, bring them onto ours. Yeah, um, yeah a lot of possibilities out there. Uh, so what we are going to do is we are going to record like a solid nine episodes. Um, and then we're going to take a break for a month, month and a half, something like that, and then come back and do a regular schedule. So we're kind of going to do like two seasons a year. Yeah. Um, it keeps us on a schedule. It also gives us a chance to plan even doing them every other week, some days, it just feels like uh, we are not ready to put out a, a product. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, this we're hoping will help us out and help you out and continue to enjoy uh, this fantastic show that we try to put together. So I guess it is kind of uh, New Year, New Us. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll check back in in December. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's already February, so we skipped out the whole, like, you started and do it for a week and then forget about it. Right. Like people at the gym. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's what we were doing. Like, we, we really wanted to get past that roadblock. We were waiting for all the other podcasts to flush their stuff, get out of the way, <laughs> coming in strong, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 
So let's talk. Uh, let's talk some gaming news because we obviously have not recorded in a little over a month since before Christmas. So uh, let's talk some of the crazy things that kind of happened. Sure. Um, let's start off with uh, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro. As you know, we have been fans of their game, but man, in the last couple of years, Hasbro just keeps pushing to be the BBEG in everything I make. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's like love the game, hate the game maker, right? Is right. Kind of where we're at. I, I just, yeah. I just they they drive me nuts. Um. So at the end of the year last year, Hasbro laid off like eleven hundred people. Yeah, it was it was fairly close to Christmas time. It, yeah, it was it was in December. Yeah, which is close enough when you're talking layoffs. Yeah. Um. But they let go a, a big portion of their Wizards of the Coast D and D team. Yeah. I think they also, there were some of Magic employees as well that were let go, which, I mean, all falls under that Wizards of the Coast umbrella. Some of the people they're letting go, uh, we're talking Mike Merles, um, Amy uh, Amy Dallin, who worked on the D&D Beyond. Uh, she was the host for their, their podcast and stuff. Yeah. It, like, these are not just, like, you know, the worker bees at... Yeah, like the, the IT department or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking, like, well-known you know, names in the industry and even in the company. Uh, so they didn't let him go. And I I don't know. There's been some back and forth that I've read. Like, you know, well, they let him go in December. So they had time to, you know, plan. And, you know, it helped their, with their filing taxes or something. Man, I don't, it just doesn't feel like if you fire somebody in December, it, it's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? About the bonuses that yeah, they yeah, take yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels similar. So on, on top of that news that we had there, then there came the, I don't know if I'd call it a rumor, but there came the, the news out of, let's, what is that, a Chinese? Yeah, there was a report from a Chinese news source, um, and this came out, it's a website called Speed Daily. The, the longer you go down this road of exactly what happened, the less credible this thing feels. Um, it was translated over on Pan Daily, which I'm assuming is probably like a subsidiary or a, a you know a sister website or something. That um, an unnamed source had claimed that Hasbro was looking to sell off parts of the company. The company interested in buying off uh, the D and D part was Tencent. Now Tencent's a big video game uh, manufacturer in China. It also owns the uh, WeChat platform which I think is much more popular over there. And they said that they were in the early stage of negotiations to buy a series of rights, or give them adaptation rights for video games based on brands like D&D. The wording all the way through this thing is just sketchy. Yeah. Sketchy. Yeah. So what, what translated to was a bunch of people saying, oh my gosh, Hasbro is selling their D&D section of their company. Right. Right. Um, so confidently... Hasbro has come out very recently and said, no, that is not the case. We were in talks for various licensing and subsidiary deals, but we have no intentions of selling it. Which, okay, um, I definitely think selling it to like some kind of a like giant conglomerate um, like Tencent, because Tencent is, is even bigger than Hasbro. Tencent is a diversified tech company in China. They own messaging apps, QQ and WeChat. They have made numerous acquisitions in the game industry, such as Riot Games, and are responsible for popular mobile spinoff games like PUBG and Call of Duty Mobile. Their market value is approximately 571 billion U.S. dollars, compared to Hasbro's around 7 billion. 
I, I feel like that would have just made things worse, considering all the problems that we've had this last year or two years from the um, the open source gaming license being re- revoked or reworked to the Pinkertons uh, to the layoffs. The just I mean, again, Hasbro is trying to ingrain itself as the BBEG. Like, I think they feel like that's the only way that they're going to get their brand back up on everything else is if everybody hates them. So we buy their action figures for our table. That's that's my running theory right now. I, I mean, it's it's wild that it it is true. Just capitalism, sure. corporate America, like 100 percent. Yep. Squeeze every dime that you can out of everything. I mean, damn all the the bad things that could happen yeah. because of it. If you haven't checked out one of our previous episodes, we have an episode a little ways back where we talk about alternatives to D&D for your RPG table. Mm-hmm. That's something you're interested in. If this is the final straw for you, go take a listen. Yeah, definitely. There are definitely a lot of options out there. Kind of in the same vein, I know that Larian Studios, who was responsible for making Baldur's Gate 3, mm-hmm. which has been, I mean, it has done phenomenal on all the charts. Yeah. When it comes to the layoffs, they had talked to like you can watch the videos as they were developing the game. And uh, the CEO, whose name is Sven Finke, said that none of the people in that video from the Wizards of the Coast team are still there. So they've all been laid off. But he also tweeted too. he was like, hey, I really shouldn't have to make a tweet about a company trying to buy something that's not for sale. So I'm not going to. But just know that it's not happening. Because yeah. they did say, well, Larian was like brokering the deal and good old uh, Sven Finke said, no, man, not us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, again, I, I think any kind of news like that can get easily blown out of proportion um, with today's social media kind of, I, I don't want to say craze, but focus. I guess everybody yep. is on a various social media and all it takes is a story to start trending. And then next thing you know, it gets you know, resent out by everyone. And now everybody knows all the facts when really there isn't anything there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and speaking of social media, we have a fun little controversy with our friends over at, I guess let's meta, but specifically Facebook. Yeah. 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 So there is a game called votes for women. Uh, it is in its second printing now and was doing a Kickstarter campaign for that. Uh, try and raise some money for it. Uh, Votes of Women is a very interesting game. Uh, it basically is a area control type game, uh, but it is all centered around the women's suffrage movement. Yes, which I love that we made a war game out of it. Like, I think it's appropriate. We're, we're done taking a back seat. We're going to fight some people. Yeah, like, uh, I think this is actually really, really cool. It's a very interesting concept that obviously no one has ever done before. Um, one player actually plays as... Uh, the suffragettes and one player plays as the opposition. Uh, and the goal is to get the amendment passed and ratified by the States. Uh, it looks very interesting. I love the take on it. Um, I'm glad they're going for a second printing. Yes. Um, but while they were doing that, they went to run an ad on Facebook and Facebook banned the ad uh, because they said that it was a sensitive a- social issue. Yep. Um, (laughs) they said it could influence how people vote and may impact the outcome of the election or pending legislation. Yeah, I I thought we, uh, we saw this whole thing about women being able to vote, but I guess if we're going to take away their other rights, like, you know, reproductive freedom, why don't we just count that in too? 
Anyway, uh, good news. Even though that their ads were blocked on Facebook, which original game designers said probably was going to cost them somewhere in the neighborhood of $60,000 in backing. Uh, The designer is Tori Brown. She's been a longtime activist. So they were able to still raise almost $200,000 for the game, even without the Facebook ads that were running. Uh, And there's a little excerpt in one of the articles we were reading uh, that has kind of some comments from the Kickstarter page. And a lot of them were, hey, we found out Facebook banned your ads, so I'm definitely going to back now. And if I could also give a middle finger to Facebook, that would also be great. I just, that's, and of course, they tried to get a hold of Facebook to be like, hey, you guys keep flagging our ads or rejecting them. Uh, Why is that? And it's either the Facebook algorithm is just not that bright, which we all, we, I think we all know that at this point. Yeah. Or there is somebody making an effort to not put this up there. Like how much, it's got to be the algorithm, right? It's got to be the algorithm because how much of a prick do you have to be? Like, how much do you hate women that a board game about the suffrage movement, which brought us the 19th Amendment, you know, one that's like seven amendments ago? (laughs) There are 27 amendments to the Constitution of the United States. The 19th Amendment was ratified August 18th, 1920. So that was nine amendments ago. And you're going to go flag it and be like, no, I'm not going to let you get any money to start this again. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's got to be the algorithm. It's, I'm, uh, I'm going to tell myself that because it makes me feel a little bit better. And it's not just some like goofy looking incel trying to make women unhappy at Facebook. Yeah. And you can actually go and play this game online uh, right now at uh, rally the troops dot com. Uh, and then look for the votes for women game. There's a few other kind of uh, war games on there too. You can play um, kind of like a turn-based style where one player takes their turn and then whenever you get a chance, you'll do yours. So definitely very interesting. Go take a look at it. I know the Kickstarter is over now, but you still might be able to get your hands on it secondhand. Uh, but yeah, definitely take a look at it. The game looks interesting, especially if you like area control war games in general, um, or if you're a fan of like history, right? So, uh, so yeah, so there's some silver lining there, right? It's kind of what we're uh, going for as our theme with this opening. Uh, there's, there's some bad stuff happening, but uh, maybe we can work something out with it. Uh, so on top of that, talked a lot about crowdfunding, yep. Kickstarter, GameFound, stuff like that, because that is just kind of the way the industry feels like it's going. Uh, I don't think there's a whole lot of games that get published that are just straight out published. You know what I'm saying? One of the companies, Mythic Games, I think they came out swinging like early on, like pre-pandemic. And then the pandemic hit and it seems that they've been having just severe financial issues. Two of their IPs worth about $3.2 million, successful Kickstarters, they ended up selling to Come On, which does minis well, it does games well, it does Kickstarter and crowdfunding really well. So this might have been the best option. Because otherwise, these games weren't going to see the light of day. I read on a couple different Reddit threads right after the news first broke that a lot of the extras and kind of specialty items from the Kickstarter um, were probably not going to get fulfilled and made by Come On. Right. Um, which, again, being a company that, that takes a project like that, I don't know. 
I don't know that you're able to fulfill all the promises from the other company. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, but because I, I believe the one of the lead designers from Command said that these projects are nowhere near ready to right. be produced. Yeah, that they're going to require a, a significant amount of work in order to finish them. Work playtesting was brought up as well. The two games that started out under Mythic were Hell, the Last Saga, like H E L. Uh, so Nordic kind of theme, and Anastir. In its Kickstarter, Hell raised $2.2 million, and Anastir was a solid million on its own. Yeah, and both of these games look right up Kaman's Alley. I mean, they're miniature games. There's going to be a lot of very uh, intricate miniatures, which they are known for. I mean, you're talking, this is the company that mass produces miniatures, right? Zombicides especially Marvel's on the side, all eight boxes of it. Um, so they, this is this is something I have no doubt if they can get the design aspect finish on it, that production is, you know, something that they're right up their alley. Absolutely. Mythic has had problems for a while. Their last two Kickstarters, were, which were the, the Darkest Dungeon campaign and uh, Six Siege, which is based off Rainbow Six Siege, two Kickstarter games that were successful but Mythic ended up coming back and saying, hey, if you want this game, it's going to be an extra like 68 bucks. Yeah, I did hear about that. I I remember that happening now that as we were doing like the research for this, because uh, that was a big complaint Yeah, uh, from a lot of people were saying, why I, I paid what you wanted me to pay. I paid your shipping fees. Why are you coming back to me for more money? Right. And then there was an and even after that, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just for the wave one. So that's just the bo- the first box. The second box should be fine. And they ended up coming back and asking people for like another like $200, $250. Like your pledge on that thing doubled. Yeah. And I know that was after the uh, Darkest Dungeon video game um, company also threw in $100,000. That's right. It. Yeah. The, the video game company Red Hook. And then let's not even get started on Monster Apocalypse, which was another... Uh, IP that they made a board game adaptation for. It's originally uh, a, a war game. They tried to make a board game for it. Matter of fact, I have a friend of mine who did pledge to it. So every time we start talking, you know, Kickstarter, there's always this just look of resignation in his eyes. And he's just yeah. like, I think I'm just going to have to let that one go. Yeah. And and we get it like that. That is the nature of the beast of Kickstarter. Sure. Right. And without going into a full soapbox rant of why that sucks, Unfortunately, that's where we find ourselves when it comes to large projects like this, because the model has been so successful. Yes. Yes. You know, and I'm not against Kickstarter as a idea, uh, but it does open up the potential for things like this to happen where you pledge your money, you pay your money to a company. And if they are not good stewards of that money or or extenuating circumstances too. Sure. Because I mean we all know that in 2020 the world basically shut down, shipping fees went crazy, we had additional taxes on anything coming from China. Right. Right? So all of that affected the board game market and some companies were able to weather that storm, some like Mythic were not. And that that's unfortunately the nature of the beast as it is right now. So I'm glad that these two projects are actually going to be fulfilled, um, as we know right now, through a company that has 
an outstanding track record right right when it comes to kickstarters if anybody can fix this uh come on has the best shot yeah definitely i i think they would be my choice um to definitely go for it they're big enough to do it they have the revenue to do it they're coming off a couple really big kickstarters that they've done so yeah i i think it's a good choice for them to take them Lastly, in our opening here to kind of close things up uh, with the theme of crowdfunding, GameFound, which is kind of Kickstarter's really only competition when it comes to this kind of thing. I almost feel like it's like the little brother. Sure. We'll go with that. Um, It's finally starting to play ball. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in 2023, they released their kind of total revenue that they raised. They had a 98% increase year over year in the money that was raised on their platform. Which is huge for GameFound. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, that is, if you are able in any business, if you are able to double your market share, like your revenue, that's fantastic. Now, to put that in perspective, even though they did double, (laughs) their total amount is still only about 25% of what Kickstarter's revenue was for 2023. But still, that tells me that, you know, they are ready to accept these larger games. They're able to get them funding. Yep. So if you look at some of the highlights this year uh, were the new Nemesis game that was earlier this year, and it ended up raising about $12 million. Um, And that was one of the bigger projects that they had uh, all of last year. So I'm excited to see where they go with this. Uh, I think competition is always something good. Uh, I think it gives an opportunity to make sure that the platforms themselves are, especially Kickstarter, is not resting on its laurels, so yep. to speak, um, but it makes sure it being innovative and competitive with creators, um, because that is one thing that could easily get out of control is what they charge creators to even put projects on their site. And I feel really good about last year that we personally uh, threw a pretty good chunk at game found through the Teberu guys with their new game, uh, vampire, the masquerade Milan uprising, which we backed just so we could get our hands on the bad karmas. Yeah. And I also have a few hundred dollars in uh dragon eclipse, which was also on game found only. So I like to think we did our little part, right? You know what I'm saying? Spreading the love, baby. Yeah. I mean, their, their total revenue was $56 million, but I want you to know just a little chunk of that came from the dapper people there was a there was a solid grand in there (laughs) that we threw in (laughs) Uh, so hey man it is it's good to be back uh it's good to be recording again and um you know hey if nobody's told you lately guys uh we're, we're glad to have you around So if you've been following us for a while, I mean, back to episode 13, at least you've heard us talk about Marvel Zombies. This was the come on Kickstarter that partnered with uh, Marvel Studios to use that IP to make a zombie side game. And we went all in on it and it finally got here. And yeah, it's uh, it's as good as we thought it was going to be so far. Yeah. So we did the Devourer Pledge biggest week ago. Came with a giant Galactus. If you've seen our Instagram, you probably saw the picture when it first got here. Fantastic. 
It's got Silver Surfer in the box with it. All kinds of good stuff. Uh, plus nine other boxes. <laughs> it's a... This is huge. It's going to take us a while to get through it. Yeah. So we got this game in, uh, I think, late November, early December, something like that. So obviously we have not played everything there is to play in this. But we still wanted to bring it to your guys' attention. Talk about some of the different boxes, the game modes and stuff that are, are included, as well as talk about should you buy it, where you can buy it, all sorts of stuff like that. I mean, we're talking 160 different playable characters across zombies and heroes. So there's a lot of game in this box, not to mention the different game modes and things like that. Right. So let's start with talking about some of the sculpts that they've done in this, the miniatures that you get with it. Uh, that One of my first impressions of the game was pulling those out. Come on, does miniatures. It's what they do, and yeah. they do it well. And... With this one, I feel like they really knocked it out of the park. Um, the hero sculpts, the hero miniatures look like the heroes. They look great. They got good bases on them. Uh, but the zombie sculpts. Yeah, the zombie sculpts are really what make this game. We kind of mentioned it when we were discussing the deceased Kickstarter, how it felt like they weren't able to really push the envelope when it came to the zombies. And also... That was a rumor going around that DC would not let them do a zombie mode because of IP reasons. Right. I'm glad that they were able to push the envelope with Marvel. I think it makes it a more interesting game, giving you that extra mode, but also allows them to really be free with the art. Yes. There are some fantastic zombie ones on here. You have stuff like Doctor Strange creating a portal with zombie arms coming through it. You know, you have Mysterio floating on a, a zombie hand with like his glass helmet all cracked open. Um, Venom is another really good one where you see the, the symbiote like stretched out above the character and stuff. A lot of really good sculpts with this across the board. I, I, I just really love the art. I love how they did it. Yeah. And I think if you're a mini painter, uh, the oh man, the stuff I've seen, uh, come out yeah. of people that have painted these minis. They they just look so good. Mm -hmm. And it's because they have such a good base to start with. Yeah, absolutely. So what do we wanted to do with this, a little bit different from our normal games we play, we want to go through all the different boxes, talk about kind of what's in them and things like that. Not really give a rating yet because we're still playing through a lot of this content. And honestly, we're probably not fully settled enough to give a rating on it. But wanted to tell you guys about it because there are still some places where you can pick this up if maybe you missed the original Kickstarter. So first and foremost, you should always check your local game store. Right. They Many of them do retailer pledges, especially with large Kickstarters like this was. So it's very possible that they will have a Kickstarter pledge. Or even now they're starting to get some of the actual retail versions of the not only base games, but also the expansions. So you might even be able to pick up a retail version. The difference is there are a couple Kickstarter exclusive minis that come in the Kickstarter versions as opposed to retail. It's usually two to four per expansion. So and do a little bit of research, figure out if it is worth it to pay the extra for a Kickstarter version um, or if you would be happy with the retail copy. So the first box that you want to get your hands on is just the Marvel Zombies box. Um, it's the one that's got Captain America all zombified on the front of it. Um, you see Spider-Man uh, in the background. I'm pretty sure that's the Peter Parker Spider-Man. Um, this is the base box. Yeah, so you have to have this box in order to play zombie mode. 
Right. It has all the peripherals that you need to make zombie mode work. So your uh, spawn deck, your zombie power cards, all that sort of stuff, along with map tiles for like all your bases. So this is your base game box. Honestly, zombie mode to me is what makes this game so much better. Right. Um, because it doesn't feel like traditional zombicide. Right. Yeah. The, the hero mode is good, but it does it does have that traditional zombicide feeling. There are some changes to it, uh, which I obviously you're playing as superheroes, not just random people. So there are some good changes to it. It does kind of make things a little bit simpler and easier, which I like. But definitely zombie mode to me is what really sets this game apart from like say 2.0. Right. And to be clear, when we say zombie mode, that means you are playing as the zombified heroes. Yes. So you are running around eating pedestrians. You are fighting off the shield agents and possibly getting to devour them as well, as well as in your spawn, uh, where it's normally like the abominations or whatnot, uh, like the big uh, spawns that come in. Uh, now you're actually going to fight the not zombified superheroes that show up to save the day and you get to eat their face. Yeah. This is one of the coolest parts about having more content for this game because you can slot in any of the heroes from any of the other packs into that slot. So if you were crazy, like we were last time we played, uh, you shuffle up all the other people and that's your spawn deck for your superheroes. And whoever comes out, comes out. Um, to the good or the bad. I'm pretty sure we took a beating on that last oh, one. Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Doom beat our ass. Um, But anyway, that is the one core box. There is an additional core box, which is the X-Men Resistance. So this box is required for playing hero mode. So you play as the non-zombified heroes trying to rescue bystanders. Uh, you're playing against various zombies, the main Walker zombie is multiple man, which I think is fantastic because mm. they all look the same. It's wonderful. Uh, but this mode is the more traditional kind of zombicide mode. Uh, the difference being you have hero powers and you have like a power track that gradually gets gets bigger um, and you can spend that power for extra dice and all sorts of things like that. Still a very good mode if you are a fan of superheroes. Um, maybe you're not so sure about the zombie element. Um, this is definitely a very good pickup, but again, if you have both, now you can mix it all together. Right. Right. So playing in hero mode, if you add the other zombies from the core box in there, you might end up playing against zombie Hulk or zombie Iron Man. They could spawn into your game. Um, it, it is very customizable for the experience that you want to have. Right. The base box looks like it's mostly uh, characters off of the Avengers kind of IP, yes. yeah. where obviously the X-Men Resistance is more of your X-Men type characters. Um, there's another great sculpt in this box, uh, Cyclops, zombie Cyclops. <laughs> He's holding his own head like above yeah. him because, yeah. um, you know, zombie. Uh, but that one's really cool uh, to look at. And with a lot of these, the way they did them is just because you get the hero version in one box doesn't mean you're going to get the zombie version in that same box. Some yeah. of them are kind of spread out. Yeah. So that also comes with Kickstarter exclusives and stuff too. Uh, there are more hero characters in all the boxes than there are zombie characters, unfortunately, but I understand it was probably easier to make hero sculpts than it was zombie sculpts, especially when you're talking about 160 different miniatures, right? Right, right. But in each of the boxes, the one thing that I like that they did 
where the characters that come in the box not only have their their cards to play as them, they have the cards for the spawn decks in the box as well. Right. So everything's nice and packed up. So it depends on how you want to store this. It's something we've been discussing, obviously, with 10 boxes. You can keep everything in their own box so you know which characters come from where and all the pieces will be there and all sorts of that thing, um, you know, depending on how you want to store this, if you decide to go all in like we did. Right. And yeah, yeah. Like, don't be wrong. Don't regret it at all. But man, man, is this thing big? Um, yeah. So, you know, the different modes, zombie mode or hero mode, uh, just like zombie side, as you kind of progress, you can level up. You have these different tracks to keep track of. Like we talked about the hero mode, you have a power track. Yep. Um, and the zombie version, you'll have a hunger track, uh, which can give you some, you know, extra dice to roll for things like that for attacks and whatnot. But once you max it out, you have to eat somebody uh, before you can act normal again. Yeah, that's what I think the zombie mode, that push and pull of trying to let your hunger build up because every step gives you more dice. But like playing that game of how much is too much. Yeah. Because if you roll ones as a zombie, it increases your hunger track. And if you do become ravenous, which you're maxed out hunger, um, you can only move and you can only eat. Right. So that's that's it. Uh, no opening doors. No, you know, doing anything else. It's move and eat. So if you don't devour somebody before the end of your turn, you actually take a damage. So there is a wonderful little push and pull with that mechanic. Mm -hmm. I think it creates a nice tension in a game that honestly is really just a fun dice chucker. Right. Yeah. So, so those are the first two boxes and that gives you your zombie mode and your hero mode. So, I mean, maybe you're a little Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde with this and you don't know how you want to do it. So you can bounce back and forth, you know, between game sessions. Yep. Uh, So now we start getting into the expansions. Um, this is where there's some really cool stuff that they did to kind of push the genre that I think, um, the first one is the clash of the sinister six expansion. So this has your, your classics from the Spider-Man universe. Oh yeah. Uh, you're looking at venom, Mysterio, uh, Scorpion, Craven. You've got, uh, you, you've got zombie lizard, zombie vulture, zombie electro, uh, zombie rhino, which is another really great sculpt. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Doc Ock. Yeah, yeah, Zombie Doc Ock is fantastic because uh, it's like the arms are kind of moving him around. It's wonderful. Uh, but this one thing that this box adds, uh, which is new, I don't know if they've ever done it in Zomb- Zombicide before, is a PvP mode where one player plays as zombie heroes and one player plays as regular superheroes. And it's played almost like a League of Legends type game where you have the different spawns, like your multiple man or your shield agent spawns, they gradually move across the map trying to get to the other side. And if your characters ever get to the other side, you score points and you want to try and stop the other characters. There are also bases on the map that you're trying to capture to give yourself bonuses um, or to make your, your small guys move another step or something like that. So it's a really cool like game mode that I haven't ever seen before. Uh, it is 3v3, so you each get three heroes. And there was a suggestion online that I saw that one guy said the cool way to do it was you pick your first three and then you like shuffle up the other characters. And every time one of your characters dies, they get replaced by a new one. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So there's some really cool stuff. Um, I, I want to put this out there, too. If you have any of the Zombicide games, the Zombicide community, like the fan base around it, 
the content that they create is fantastic. Yeah, they're really dedicated to this game. Yeah, there are uh, scenarios that they make using the existing pieces out of whatever game that you have. Uh, there are different game modes that they come up with. Um, I saw another one that uses uh, Doctor Doom as like a ultimate boss kind of thing. And you're trying to defeat him as he's spawning other like superheroes and stuff in. Yeah, it, it looked really, really cool. So there's there's a lot of really good fan made content around this just as a complete side note. But yeah, this one is probably one of the most interesting of the expansions because it adds that additional game mode that is unique to the Marvel Zombies franchise. Right. Uh, the next one really, really only adds uh, extra spawns into uh, your gameplay, and that is the Sentinel Strike expansion. Um, especially if you were growing up in like the 90s, you remember the X-Men cartoon and the Sentinels were such a big deal. Yeah. Uh, they were in the movie. They, they're pretty, yeah, I mean, they're pretty well known, but now they can spawn uh, in your zombie side game. Yeah. The other thing that this box adds, which depending on how big of an X-Men fan you are, it adds the Professor X, both zombie and hero versions. Personally, I think they are great. They're a great version, no matter which one you go with. They're unique in their abilities as well as um, like their attacks and stuff. I think it's one of the only ones that you roll one dice, but you hit on twos. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which is is very interesting, uh, especially zombie mode. As you start to get more dice, you become ridiculous. Um, but of course, it leans into that telepath ability where you can like affect creatures um, or opponents and your own like characters from across the map, which I, I think is really, really cool. I think it's really well done for a small box expansion. I, I think this one's really cool because you also can play as one of the Sentinels. So if you remember the storyline, there was Nana that they reprogrammed to basically right. protect the X-Men. So you actually can play as her. There's a player card in there and everything. Nice. Um, let's go over to the next one. The uh, Fantastic Four Under Siege. Like when we say they got the whole IP, like they got the whole IP. <laughs> um, this one really doesn't add a whole lot. It adds, of course, new characters uh, because, you know, everybody needs Mr. Fantastic. Um you get the Fantastic Four. You also get Doctor Doom as a zombie, the Super Scroll, Namor, and Black Bolt in their zombie mode. Uh, the only thing I think this one really adds uh, that we were talking about is it adds multi-level boards. Yeah, it's got a couple different scenarios in there where the map is split between multiple levels, and you have to take like an elevator to the different level. Yeah. So you'll be playing and collecting objectives until you find a certain one that will unlock the elevator. Then you can go down. Uh, there are also some interesting map tiles that have a little bit of altered movement rules on them. So there is a little bit here, honestly, probably not the most exciting expansion unless you are like a diehard fantastic four fan. Right. Um, but I will say that zombie Dr. Doom is really good. Um, and I, I love the design in this set though. I will say that, because the way they did scroll um, is they gave the scroll some of the abilities from the Fantastic Four, right? So he doesn't have his own unique abilities. He kind of pulls like one of the abilities in each of his slots from the Fantastic Four abilities, which I, I think is a really cool design. I, yeah. I think they did really well with that. Um, I know one of the fears we had when we were first discussing this were 
<laughs> yeah, that they, we were going to go broke. Yeah. Well, that. Uh, but also, when they make all these characters, are they all going to be the same? Yes. Um, honestly, I can tell you after having spent a lot of hours looking through the characters and actually pulling out like my A tier list of people I want to play as, uh, they are really different. And as you play as them, most of them feel very different. Right. Like right. They, they feel good. There are crossovers with abilities, of course, because there there are a lot of heroes, superheroes out there that kind of feel similar. But I do like the way that they've they've done a good job at capturing the way that heroes should be. Right. And like their specific abilities and things like that for for most of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like with the abilities that they have, um, along with the abilities that you get as you're leveling up. I think they did a really good job using both of those to to meld into that character. I don't think there's any two characters that are alike, that are exact. No, you know no, there saying? are it's no all... 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to uh, the Hydra Resurrection. Yeah, so this is the one of the first sets that includes a character that is kind of outside of the norm, right? So, uh, obviously, you have the heroes, you have the zombie heroes, you have the that spawns but this actually includes red skull um as a special character and as a kickstarter like upgrade because they did so well they actually gave him a, his own player card i don't know if that is a kickstarter exclusive though so i'm not 100 percent sure on that uh, but it is possible there you can probably find the card out there to be able to play as the red skull Right, because originally he set up as his own kind of game mode, like a boss right. fight. Yeah, yeah, and he has his own Hydra Troopers, which I know have uh, ranged attacks and stuff like that, which can definitely make the game interesting, mm -hmm. um, as well as it's got quite a few different map tiles and scenarios and stuff like that. So that one is an interesting set. It's got some of the coolest heroes, I think, in it. Uh, it does have um, She-Hulk and Vision, which I think are, are both really good. Really good, yeah. It also has Ant-Man riding Antony, which I think is one of my favorite uh, hero sculpts in the game. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, uh, you also get Zombie Loki in that one, which I think is a, another fantastic sculpt. Um, and uh, the Zombie Quicksilver that comes in that box, too, is also really cool. That one also gives you uh, multi-level yep. uh, game boards. So, Next up, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, an IP that really was or part of an IP that was really like, re like regenerated off of the movies that came out. They were always like they've been really good. Uh, so you get in that box. The special character you get there is Thanos. Yeah. So the game mode that comes with this um, obviously has zombie Thanos and you are playing against him and he is trying to collect the Infinity Stones and the Infinity Stones are they're they're monstrous like the stuff that they do as he collects them it it feels like that moment in the movies where they're like he's collected four out of the five and like there's no way you're gonna stop him right, right. he's gonna rip that thing out of vision's head uh that's that's how it feels um but now they also again as a kickstarter upgrade i i don't know i same thing as red school i don't know if it's exclusive or not but they did make him his own character card so you can actually play as zombie Thanos in zombie mode. And they do say, just to tell you how powerful he is, that when you are playing with zombie Thanos as one of your characters, he should count as two characters for your like six character limit. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because on his card, each of his abilities is, is like one of the infinity stones. 
So as you upgrade and you level him up, um, he becomes extremely powerful. Uh, of course, with this set, we get the classic Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Um, we get Groot and Gamora and Mantis and Nova all in hero form. Uh, but then in zombie form, we get Star-Lord, Rocket, Drax, and Nebula. Which, zombie zombie Rocket. Zombie like, Rocket is wonderful. Yeah. He, he is fantastic. Um, when we get down to the Kickstarter exclusives, I know you get the other versions of them in most of the Kickstarter boxes. So, so the last box that is part of the expansions before we get into the exclusives is Galactus. Yeah, so this was a uh, Devourer Pledge, or you could buy it separately. Um, this thing is is huge. It's like a two-foot sculpt. like Yeah, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And you can swap out his head and one of his arms to either be hero mode or zombie mode. Which was genius giving you both of those. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Silver Surfer comes with him in both versions. Right. So the box that comes with him is pretty small uh, because it uses mostly the map tiles and stuff from the original games. But there are two kind of modes that you do with him. One of them is a mode where Galactus marches his way across the map, destroying things as he goes. And then the other mode is him where he sits in between two different sets of maps um, and he turns back and forth, making attacks to whichever side he's turned to. So in order to defeat Galactus, you really have to take him down piece by piece. Yes. Yep. So you start with the shield generator that he has. You have to destroy any zombie creatures that are in there. And then you start taking out like his arms and then like his head and until you get all the pieces. Destroyed. I think he's got five pieces. I think it's yeah. both arms, chest, head. Kick him in the nuts. I don't remember what the last one was. <laughs> That's the secret. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Don't ever, don't ever say we never taught you nothing. Yeah, yeah. But this set is very interesting. Um, there was a lot of controversy of whether or not it would be worth it. Because obviously the shipping is mostly due to that guy. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. So, but that... I, I will say, for us, I, I love having it. Right? Even if that's not a mode we play all the time. Yeah. It It is a conversation piece absolutely it's worth it to be on the shelf yeah so people come in and take a look at it yeah so let's talk kickstarter exclusives uh so there were a couple that go along with it first off almost all the expansions come with two to four kickstarter exclusive pieces if you go with that the were stretch goals yeah so those are added in there if you buy the kickstarter versions again i'm not gonna go through every one but you can check them out do some research on it the big version of or the big thing with Kickstarter is the extras box um, that comes with all the different heroes and things like that that were all Kickstarter stretch goals. I mean that and that makes up probably half of the characters in this. Oh yeah, in yeah. The, like the full count that you get. Yeah, because you get a lot of your other versions of all the characters. So whatever version came and maybe the expansion or original box, a lot of times its counterpart is going to be in the Kickstarter exclusives. Now, I will say they have some of the most wonderful sculpts in this box. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's got my favorite um, hero mode sculpt, which is Dark Phoenix. Um, yeah, that one is just 
Yeah. Like that's an over the top sculpt. Oh, absolutely. So it's it is the dark phoenix there, but she has this huge like fiery phoenix behind her that is done in kind of like translucent plastic. It, it's one of one of the best sculpts they made. Um but you also have like the zombie Doctor Strange that I mentioned earlier is in there where he's summoning all the zombie arms that come out of there. You have um a couple other just really, really good sculpts that come in that one. I think that's where the zombie venom comes from as well. So there's there's a lot of really, really cool ones in the box. Now, you might be able to pick this box up separately on its own from like a secondhand market. If that is something that you're interested in, I highly recommend it. Just the amount of characters and stuff that you get in it are fantastic. This is one of them that's going to cost you. Yes. Because it was a Kickstarter exclusive. If you can find it, uh, just be ready to shell out a couple hundred. Yeah, yeah. This this is the reason why you back Come On Kickstarters, right? Because they always make this box for all their Zombicide games. This box is always included. Uh, I know in the past they've called it like the Horde box or something like that. But this is the reason why you back Come On Kickstarters is because of this. So... Again, it's going to be costly if you decide you want it, uh, but definitely something that just adds a boatload of characters in there that you're able to use in the various different modes and all sorts of things. So one of the other things that we got was the uh, kind of it's an artist box that came in and it's got five, six different characters, um, but they're. They're not the standard characters like there is Old Man Hawkeye and Old Man Logan in there. Uh, Your Peter Parker Spider-Man is in there. The Marshall Bullseye character and Daredevil came in that box. Yeah, so these are special custom sculpts that were made that have slightly different abilities as well. Um, Just kind of a a really special edition box. Uh, I do like the sculpts out of here. They do look very, very good. Um, they basically gave them the artist license to work with them, which is really, really cool. I, I definitely like this box. It's a, it's a small box. It's only six characters. There's nothing extra really special about it. That's that's just what it is. Uh, but it is definitely really cool. If you are a fan of Marvel art, um, definitely something to check out with that. The other thing we got was token upgrades. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So in Zombicide, there are a lot of cardboard pieces. So you have your doors, you have windows, actually, in this one. You have your spawn zones, um, a bunch of other different types of tokens. We bought the token upgrade pack, which turns everything from cardboard into plastic. Uh, I like it a lot. It feels very good. Uh, This is extra. But obviously, when we are putting in the amount of money we did, this is a game we plan on playing quite a bit. So that's something that we wanted to take advantage of. So let's talk about where where you may be able to find some of these if you're interested. So we talked local game store at the beginning, of course. There's always something to check out because they may even be able to order something like this for you as well from their distributors. So definitely check out with them first. Um, Also, uh, an online company that we do recommend is the Game Steward. So I've actually used them before in the past. You can order from them. Now you are going to pay a premium, but they their company is based around backing Kickstarters and then turning around and reselling them to people who want them. Right, right. Yeah. So as an example, the uh, Devourer Pledge Bundle, which is all of it, just all of it, uh, we ended up paying six fifty, give or take. Right, and then shipping was 
Um, so altogether, I think we were in for about 750, yeah. 800, something like that. Right. So on the Game Steward, they have the Devourer Pledge Bundle. Um, it's 850. So it has free shipping in the continental US. Yeah. So I mean, you're paying a little bit more, but it's not too much. Uh, but he does, or they do seem to have all of the boxes, even the Kickstarter exclusive, though it's sold out. So that may not come back. Yeah. So it, that box probably you're going to have to get on like an eBay or something like that at this point. Um, but like we said, definitely be prepared. You're, you will have to pay for it. A lot of people actually back come on Kickstarters just to get that box and then turn around and resell it. So uh, as unfortunate as the secondary market can be, that that is where we at in this day and age. So let's talk about kind of our first impressions of this game. And I think we've talked about a lot of it. Uh, we like the Zombie Side series just in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've played it for a while. We played a couple of the different uh, versions that have come out. We've got the second edition one, which I really like the upgrades that went to the second edition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really a big fan of the upgrades that they did in the Marvel Zombies game. Uh, they did simplify some of the rules, uh, kind of streamline some of it. How how things spawn when you kick a door into a building. Yep. Um, it, it's a lot easier to not get overwhelmed like right away. Yeah. And that carries over from second edition to the same kind of. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I I would like to answer the question for you guys. If you do not have a Zombicide game, where do you start? Right. Because looking at obviously we talked about 10 different boxes of product today, and this is only one version of Zombicide. Right. Um, you start looking at all the others. You got First Edition, you got Black Pillag, you got Green Horde, you got the Undead or Alive, um, you got uh, You've got second edition and it's got three expansions already. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So there there is a lot of different games here. Yeah. You've got the the George Romero version, uh Night Nightly. of the Walking Dead. Yeah. Or not, yeah. So a lot of stuff. Yeah. So where would you, where do you start? So I I would my suggestion is to figure out which one speaks to you the most, right? So if you are a fan of superheroes, uh, I think this version is really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we have not played the DC version yet um, to see what it is. If you are hung up on DC or Marvel and you just would absolutely rather have DC, I think it's still in late pledge. You can still pick that up. Right. Right. So. There's that. If you just like superheroes and like think you would enjoy that, uh, the having a zombie mode in here puts this one above it for me uh, because of the gameplay difference. If you are more a fan of like medieval fantasy or something like that, you want to look at Black Plague or Green Horde. Right. Either of those are very good. Green Horde is a little bit more updated. Black Plague is a little showing its age a little bit at right. this point. Um, but. They also have the White Death, which should be coming out fairly soon, which is their newest version of the fantasy setting. I believe that one's like Feudal Japan. Yeah, it is. Is where it's set at? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then if you're more into modern, just in general, um, second edition is a great place to start. It's very wide and open. There are a lot of like special expansions that have come out for that. I know we got the Dean and Sam Winchester from Supernatural. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you can play as them. That's fantastic. There's a lot of good, like, characters that you can pick up. I think there's, like, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one. Yeah. <laughs> like, go, go crazy with your zombie side. Yeah, the I know they have the boys. Uh, they also have Thundercats uh, were, yeah. were a special one that they did. Um, and then, lastly, if you are into, like, futuristic sci-fi, there's actually Zombicide Invader. 
which is another one that pushes that kind of theme, if that's what you're into. Right, right. At, at the end of the day, most of them are going to be a fairly similar game, right? Uh, it's one that I find it, it, you don't have to take it that seriously. Yeah. Um, you can hang out, chuck dice. If you lose, you lose. You know, it is what it is. Um, those moments where you get to clear like whole tiles of, you know, 10, 15 zombies is fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of feel good moments in these games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it really depends on what you like for us personally or for, for me personally. I think this is my favorite version of Zombicide I've ever played. Um, I do have Black Plague. It was the first one I ever bought. It is still holds a special place in my heart just because of what it is. Um, but I am a huge superhero fan and the way that they have done this game, it, it just it's really, really good. So for me, that that is my choice. That is why I, I am happy that we went all in on it in spite of the amount of money that we ended up paying for it. Um, this is something that I look forward to being able to enjoy and to bring out, you know, time and time again for years and years to come. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I, I really like this version. Like I said, this this may be my favorite version as well. Um, but man, I, I love the Ameritrash. Yeah. Like, serve it up, baby. <laughs> you can get all uppity and stuff about, uh, you know, your Euro games and how much more intellectual they are or whatever. I don't care. Give me Zombie Hulk punching somebody in the face. Beat that with some worker placement, baby. <laughs> I'm placing workers all over that building right there. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> So there you go. I know we've talked about it a lot. We finally got our hands on it. Um, it was a wait because, I mean, that's how Kickstarter works, but worth it most of the time. Oh, worth yeah. it. Um, and yeah, man, if you are interested, get out, talk to your local game store, look it up online. If you go to their wiki, um, you can get the whole character list of who's in what box. Yeah. Go smash some zombies. Hey, so here we are again, the first crowdfunding roundup of the new year. Uh, we've pulled a couple of projects off of Kickstarter, and we've got one off of GameFound to make up about 33% of our crowdfunding roundup. We thought that was appropriate, considering the numbers that we were uh, talking about in the intro. Uh, the important thing is, uh, I think these projects are awesome, and we're going to tell you about them, starting with the Stoey. Yeah, so we got this project off of GameFound. It is a portable, adaptable game table. Watching the video on this thing, uh, like, yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anything about this I don't like. Yeah, so this is a very unique idea. So we have seen, obviously, you have your manufacturers out there of game tables, right? You got your Wormwood, you got your Raskeller, you got your... Um, Dapper Meeple, we we build our own table. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely us too. Uh, <laughs> but this one is a unique take on a game table because it is collapsible uh, into basically the a small footstool um, that then you can take it back apart and build a gaming table out of it. So they have both a, a three by three and a four by four size. Yeah, and with all of the accessories. Um, you can get just the plain table. You can also get, you know, drink holders and dice trays and uh, like a writing book rest that goes on there, card slots. Uh, there's even LED lights to go around the outside of it. 
which we don't even have LED lights in ours yet. Yet. <laughs> but no, the so this whole thing condenses down into a stool that is 15 inches by 15.2 inches and about 18 inches tall. Right. And that will all unpack out to a table um, that is a, either three by three or four by four, depending on the, the slots that you have, um, and about 30 and a half inches tall. We're fortunate that we have a room that we built a full, like, four by eight foot table, but there are a lot of places that don't have that. Right. And it looks like from the video that's on the page, the person that's kind of showing it off lives in like a small flat in Europe. Um, and you don't have the room for a game table, like you said. This is perfect. So I really like everything about this. Uh, some people may be put off by kind of the aesthetic of it because it is it is very much like put together. You know what I mean? But yep. uh, I, I think it is really, really a unique idea and opens up access to a gaming table for people who may not normally have the traditional space. That's right. Just, Yeah. Um, on top of that, you this could be something that, you know, if you, you know, do the whole camping with family and stuff and you're into board games, this would be great just to throw in the back of the truck or wherever you're taking off, mm-hmm. tuck it under something in the RV. And when you guys get out there, you've got an actual table to sit around and play. Yeah, I, I think this project is fantastic. I think it's unique. Um, I, it's obviously not for everyone. Uh, but I do think that people who will make use of this or can make use of this definitely want something like this. You know, you were talking about the extras that are kind of included in it um, or that you can get for it. Um, and it's everything from like your regular cup holders, which we found are an absolute must for any gaming table. Sure, absolutely. Uh, there are dice trays. There are card holders. There are book holders. Uh, there are different wings and things like that just to add a little more table space for players. Uh, there are so many different cool upgrades that you can get for this thing. Yeah, the the designer really looked at it the same way. Like when we, I remember when we were building our table. There's a lot of things that we put into it because we just knew what we wanted at the table, and it looks like this is exactly what they did. You know, you can change out the legs. They have like the straight legs that come with it, or they have like the splayed legs that give you a little bit more stability out there. There's a game topper and a game mat that rolls out um, on the actual table once you get it put together. All of the corners have, uh, looks like, plastic protectors on it. Uh, and they talk about that the whole design for this thing, the idea is to use as many uh, like natural and biodegradable uh, or recycled products um, throughout the design and throughout the build. Uh, so, I mean, that's, I feel like that's something that uh, they do overseas a lot better than we do here. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, so, and one of the things that we first asked looking at it, because the first thing I thought was like, "Is this, this is an IKEA thing?" You know what I'm saying? Like you got to put this. You got to put this thing. Even together. has a funny little name. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it is not. They're they're their own company, and the they're using uh, birch plywood. Yep, the main construction is out of birch plywood. Uh, I was also concerned that it was going to be press board or MDF, uh, which if you have ever dealt with anything made out of those, if any little drop of water thinks about getting on there, the whole thing just starts coming apart. Birch plywood is actually a very good durable material to use for a project like this. Uh, it's not super heavy like some of the other like hardwoods can be. I, I think altogether this package is fantastic. You know, you can set it up in a couple different sizes. It's got like a coffee table configuration. Um, you could take the legs off of it. 
you can change the size of how big the actual space is by adding more or, or not adding uh, some of the flaps to it. A great modular build. Uh, go take a look at this. It is on GameFound. So let's talk about how much this is going to cost you. Right. So we have the basic three by three main package. Um, it comes up to seven hundred and nine ish U.S. dollars. Their crowdfunding is all in uh, euros, so we're doing a little converting here. Um, so that's the base main package for the three by three. That gives you pretty much the tabletop. It gives you a couple of accessories to go along with it, um, as well as, of course, the legs and everything like that that you would need. So stepping up from that, you have the base package for the four by four, which comes in around eight hundred and ninety-seven, so $900 right. for that. Um, same thing as before, but just a four by four body instead of the three by three. So now we then we start getting into the uh, the good stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now we have the three by three package with extras. Uh, which is going to be, of course, your your base package. Um, it's going to come, though, with your game mat, your extra cup holders, your light bar set, um, all the storage bag for all the extra extensions, card slots. Um, yeah, you name it, it probably comes with it. Uh, that package starts at $1,025. So a little bit more finally breaking that 1K mark. Uh, and then, of course, we have the similar package, but on a 4x4, it's going to run you around $1,230, give or take. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of your baseline packages. You can also get two of a 3x3 or two of a 4x4 if that if you need extra tables for whatever reason. If you want one at home, one on the go, you know, all your choice. There are also a lot of extras you can get, too, as well, um, including... All the like extra cup holders, card slots, all that sort of stuff. But there's also like wheels packages to be able to make it easier to like uh, roll around because I believe this thing's around 46 pounds, yeah. they said. Yep. So, um, but definitely allows it make it a little more mobile. Uh, the one cool thing I like about this because it's such an expensive uh, project, they do allow like basically a, a financing type deal where they'll split it up into six payments for you due monthly. Um, which is something I do like about GameFound that yeah. they do with their bigger. Project. I was going to say we we took advantage of that when we backed uh, Teberu because it was a it was a pretty hefty chunk. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I love that they're doing it for this table. I think that makes it way more accessible for a lot more people. Yeah, and compared to designer game tables, this is not a bad price. Uh, I was looking actually at a coffee table. Uh, made by, I think it was Carolina Game Tables. Uh, just kind of price out one and see how much it would be. And for a coffee table, you know, um, I was looking at like a two by four or something like that. It was going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 1800. Uh, and that was, that was pretty baseline. So um, it, when you start getting into like really nice production level quality game tables, they can run you a lot. I think this is a more affordable option as well as a space saving option for those who need it. So definitely if you fall into that category, maybe you live in an apartment condo, maybe you're looking for something for like an RV or on the go, uh, definitely take a look at the Stoey. I think it's a really awesome product. Um, would love to see them be successful with it. And the manufacturer, or the guys that are putting this together, do like they're still working. Like this is still a project. This is still something that they're getting better at. Um, their like uh, timeline that they've got is the GameFound campaign ends at the end of February, but they're through the months. There's a lot of like review and uh, redoing the design, new prototypes, uh, new testing until they. I think they're the final design package will be at the beginning of August. 
Um, do checks on that. The production will be in September, and they're looking to be shipping to distribution hubs in October of 2024. Yeah, which is a fantastic timeline if they're able to stick with that. Yep. So currently the project has 17 days left. It is fully funded, so no worries about that. Um, So definitely go take a look at that uh, if it's something that you feel like you could make use of in your space. All right, so let's jump back over to Kickstarter. Uh, So it is no secret that uh, we really enjoy feeding the dice goblins. (laughs) And we have got a project where if you ever have felt like your dice are just too far away from you, maybe you just need to keep them around your neck. And we are talking about the dice dangle, the talisman dice pennant. Yeah, so this project is really cool. Uh, you know, we we like to find those interesting smaller projects a lot of times. I mean, because everybody knows about the zombicides, and we talk about those sometimes. But this is one of those that's kind of like small, under the radar, probably not going to raise over, I don't know, probably 50K at most if something crazy happens, you know. Uh, but this is one that I think is really unique, uh, something I haven't really seen before. So what we have here is the dice dangle. It is a pendant that you can wear around your neck, but inside of it is a full set of RPG dice. Right. Seven dice. Uh, and they're tiny. Like, they are tiny. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, <laughs> like, if you got little kids, they will eat these things. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But they're small enough that it might just pass. So it's probably fine. Uh, but yeah, I know there has been kind of a a movement the past few years with the tiny dice sets, right? A lot of the designer dice companies have made like metal versions of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a product where you can get it in either a zinc alloy or a sterling silver. Uh, warning: sterling silver is going to cost you. Um, but the Zeke Galloway version looks really cool. They have a couple different designs unlocked right now with their stretch goals. Yep. Um, so you can go on there and pick the, there is a different design on the pendant as well as the dice inside are also kind of designed differently to go with the aesthetic. Right. The, uh, the ones they have unlocked right now are the Seer Secret, which is kind of a scroll tube looking um, pendant. Uh, the dice inside have like the, uh, the borders cut into them. They look really nice. Um, and then the next one down is that they have just unlocked is the runic magic. It looks like it's just got all these like runes on the outside of it. It's kind of like an upside down obelisk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the dice inside are very, they give a dwarven feel to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much like it's a clean like cut, but it still kind of has that rough feel to it. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, that one looks really cool. Uh, there is still one more, the elf's blessing, which is not unlocked yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be unlocked at 45k. Uh, so very much elf looking with vines growing up the side of it. Um, and then of course the dice are very like cleanly etched and things like that, uh, with kind of like an elven script. So these look very interesting. If you are a fan of mini dice, or maybe you're wanting to get a set of mini dice, uh, and think it would be cool to maybe, if you don't want to wear these, you could tie them around your game bag or something like that, just so they're always available there. Um, or you never know when somebody might randomly have you roll initiative in the middle of public. I don't know what your life is. Yeah, right? Yeah. You be, you do you. Yeah, absolutely. So these start at about 50 bucks for the for one, um, which can be a little bit pricey, but we've talked about designer dice before. 
that number really is not that bad. I was going to say, no, no. For everything you're getting, I think I think that's about right. Yeah, especially you get a nice metal set of mini dice, and you get a place to carry them. I, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty solid. Uh, if you want to get two of them, uh, it's going to run you about 88, so you get a little bit of a discount off there. Uh, then you can get three even, if maybe you want to get some for some friends. Uh, that'll run you about 125. Uh, it continues to go up. If you have a larger party, you can get six. Uh, run you around $225. Uh, and those are the main tiers that they have right now. Right. And those are all for the zinc alloy version. Yep. You can upgrade if you're feeling, you know, really spicy to the 925 sterling silver version of it. Um, and the price goes up significantly. Uh, the zinc alloy, uh, so it runs you about 50 bucks, it looks like. So that means the sterling silver um is going to jump to somewhere around 200 225 yep depending on which the runic magical is more expensive in the sterling silver i guess there's more heft to it probably uh so yeah so yeah so if you want to get real fancy you can it's going to cost you like uh four times as much but you got it you got this if it's in your disposable income go for it right uh, so yeah, the, the five to nine millimeter dice set, just to give you an idea of how tiny these things are. And then they're about 14 millimeter by 71 millimeter for the actual pennant. Yeah. And each set is a standard set. It comes with one D 20, a D 12, two D 10s, a D eight, a D six and a D four. So it should have everything you need to play your favorite role playing games. It looks like it will end in March of this year and they're looking to have delivery by like May. Yeah. So, uh, tiny dice, tiny weight. <laughs> yeah, so this project still has 28 days to go as of time of recording. So, plenty of time to get in there. It is fully funded. Uh, I'm currently sitting at about 25000 of their $7,500 goal. So, definitely get in there if you are looking for some tiny dice that you can carry with you wherever you may go on your adventures. All right, for our last project, uh, I know that... Like, we've been doing this D&D role-playing game thing for a long time. And at one point, there was this great little animation called 8-Bit D&D, which really summed up the D&D experience through the lens of that time of the satanic panic and warning parents and all, like, the... the 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 hand-wringing and stuff that came out of that and then showed what D&D really was. A bunch of goofy kids with Cheetos and Mountain Dew. Um, if you haven't seen it, just Google 8-Bit D&D. It's worth the like five minutes of your time to watch this. Yeah. So there's a project out out of Richmond, Virginia, um, and it is the 8-Bit Theater role-playing game where you play as the Light Warriors, which are kind of the protagonist is a hard word but <laughs> the main group uh in the in the animation uh and you're playing based off of the lumen 2.0 uh uh system so really we threw this in there because this is a lot of nostalgia for us oh yeah absolutely uh i remember before i ever sat down at a table to play my first game of D, i had watched that um that video I don't know how many times I had shared it with my friends who also had no idea what D&D was about. Uh, yeah, it, it's very much a, a nostalgic feeling um, for us. And honestly, the the Kickstarter campaign, the way it's been put together is fantastic. 
Um, so a little bit about the system. Uh, so it operates uh, or can operate as kind of a GMless system where that responsibility is kind of shared by the players and passed around. Um, it is uh, less strict in that there are no real skills that you kind of build your character around. Yep. It is more um, what are you trying to do experience type things. Um, and there is an opportunity uh, for like mayhem on a like wonderful, wonderful scale. Um, and the storyline with this is kind of, you are, you are transported to different worlds, uh, and you are trying to save them. But oftentimes that goes awry because honestly, you're just not good at it. Right. Wonderful, little fun, not too serious kind of thing. But when we start talking about the way the Kickstarter presents itself, this is comedic gold oh so good. um so when you're looking at the uh rewards tiers um yeah let's start with uh let's start with the top yeah so the first tier you can pledge is a six dollar tier um it is a digital edition of this product in the comments for this the uh, author of the kickstarter has put the lowest possible tier really are you even a fan any kickstarter that calls me out for just wanting to to uh Pledge at the lowest tier, which I've done many times. I could get behind. Right? I, I, I have to appreciate it. Like, respect. Yeah. So that is a, a PDF of uh, the 8-bit theater. So you're, so let's just go ahead and start with the, uh, the $12 tier. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in this one, he says, you get a little booklet to hold in your hands and to lose on your bookshelf. So this is your physical edition, which gives you all the stuff of the first one, only it's physical. Yep, you also do get a PDF version with that as well. Mm -hmm. So then we have the digital bundle, which starts at $16. Uh, and he says, now you're getting some goodies, all of them digital. I haven't seen your bookshelves, but I know they're a disaster. You're making a responsible decision by impulse buying this tier. I've never been called out so hard by a Kickstarter that wants to send me their money. You it's know like, what I mean? It's like they know us. Yeah. That's what this is. Um, so yeah, uh, so that one includes a, a PDF version. Of course, uh, and you also get the PDF character and monster printed home sheets. And you get a thank you in the uh, or the role playing zine that comes with it. So you want your name in a project. Here you go. Very nice. The next tier that we have is a $32 tier, which is the physical bundle. Uh, it says, OK, now you're getting to the good stuff and it's enough stuff where you can't possibly lose it in your bookshelf. This is a smart and responsible decision. So in this version, you get the PDF, of course. Uh, you also get the character and monster printed home sheets as a PDF. You get a physical version and an included thank you in the section. You get a printed home battle map, uh, physical character and monster standees. Uh, you also get the sticker sheet, uh, which has the light warriors on it. And you get a enemy sticker sheet as well. So for what would be the next tier, uh, they're all gone. Uh, and that is the 8-Bit Theater Notable NPC Enemy for $64. And this one reads, I know I said that the previous tier was a good and responsible choice, but I'm going to level with you. It's for losers. This is what you want. It has all the other stuff. Plus, also, you can become part of the game or someone of your choosing can. Whatever. Anyway, we'll add your name or the name of anyone you choose to the official tables to generate innocent bystander NPCs who will get mercilessly slaughtered or helped by the Light Warriors. Um, those are all gone, unfortunately. So uh, 
that I would I would have I would have backed at that tier. Yeah. So, uh, but that we still have one more tier. Yeah. So this is the eight bit theater battle pass at one hundred and twenty eight dollars. And this reads, you get all the other good stuff, but most importantly, you get a battle pass. Personally bedazzled and signed by me, Brian Clevenger. What does this battle pass get you? More like, what doesn't it get you? Double XP? Done. Triple damage? Sure, why not? Unique cosmetics? Probably. And then after that, there's an asterisk, which says, battle pass not redeemable for any physical products. In-game benefits are at the discretion of your fellow players. Why is this a thing? What happens to the video games? That is not a tier of honor. No highly valued item is included here. Please do not buy this. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think there will be people that will pledge at that level just to give them a little bit more money. Uh, uh, 33 people have pledged at that level out of the 40 that is going to be totally allowed. This does include uh, the notable PC. You can give them a name and they will add it to the NPC list. This looks fantastic. I, I think this is a fun little... Um, if you are a fan of the original comic strip that they did, um, as well as the videos and stuff that they put out, this is a hit like right in the nostalgia. Definitely take a look at it uh, if it's something you think you might enjoy. A fun little kind of off the side RPG. Uh, you do get a battle map also in the physical reward tiers. And again, at the end, it does remind you about the battle pass. Do not, under any circumstances, get the battle pass. It only encourages developers to indulge in the grotesque and extract practice of charging an exorbitant rent for pieces of the game that you already bought. So, just so you're aware, and really gotta, like, my heart goes out to those people that have already bought it. Good on you. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, so there are still 19 days to go in this campaign as of time of recording, and they are definitely fully funded. They were asking for 840 bucks, and they're up to 17 grand. So, good on you guys. I mean, it's it's really on the same level as Critical Role as far as percentages, I think. <laughs> so, Percentages. Yeah. Percentages. Yeah. And with that... I am inevitable. I am destiny. I am Galactus, and I hunger. As the zombie outbreak rages, the devourer of worlds comes to Earth. The zombified heroes swarm the cosmic being. At the feet of Galactus, zombified Rocket and Deadpool attack with blades and blaster. Zombie Mr. Fantastic and Giant Man spring onto the engine and devour Galactus's henchmen who maintain his force field, bringing it down. Zombie Hulk smashes into the open palm of Galactus, looking him in the eye as he slams his fist into the face of the Devourer. With a long fall, Galactus is defeated. This world is only for the zombies to devour. For the Dapper Meeple, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. Good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave a like wherever you get your podcast. It'll really help us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for the Dapper Meeple. Or you can email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>